Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning and welcome to Kesset Church. My name is Danny and I am one of the pastors here. Uh, Kesset is a church in Vancouver, Washington, and we are a church that believes in scripture, we believe in spirit, and we believe in a life-giving God who wants to impact his people and his world uh, for the better. We are in a series right now talking about what that impact looks like, and it's called We the Church. And the whole series has been based on a passage in the Bible in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, and that passage describes something called the fruit of the Spirit. These fruits of the Spirit are examples of the outworking of God's um, uh, manifestations in his children's lives. Basically, the outworking of, of how it is to live with him, how it is to serve him, how it is to, to, uh, to accomplish his will. These things are called the fruits of the Spirit. The verse that we're going to use is 5, 22 and 23, and this is what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which is the one we're going to talk about today. Against such things, there is no law. The last characteristic listed in Galatians chapter 5 as the fruit of the Spirit is is dealing with this control issue. And we've talked about this uh, quite a bit here at Kesed because I, I recognize that we as humans, we want to be in control. So I think for some of you in the midst of all that's happening in our world, this is probably a significant week for you because I think all of us have come to realize we don't have that much control, whether it be when we go back to work or when it's safe to gather with friends and family or, or any of those things. Uh, control is a big deal to us as as human beings. And so this particular fruit, this last one we're going to talk about, self-control, is a significant deal. I like this definition of the fruit of the Spirit, especially as it applies to self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the change in our character that comes about because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. Sometimes I think we look at these fruits of the Spirit and we over-spiritualize them. We act as if they are uh, more than just everyday uh, common behavior. And other times we look at these fruits of the Spirit and we go, well, everybody should have that and it's not that difficult to, uh, to, to have self-control or to have gentleness or to have uh, any of these things that, that the Bible says we're supposed to have. And I would argue that it's probably somewhere in the middle, that some of these things should be more common in our everyday lives. But because of the Holy Spirit's work, they can be uh, the very front runners of who we are as people. I would also argue that some of these things are unbelievably difficult to accomplish at all without the Holy Spirit. Some of it just depends on your situation. It depends on your upbringing. It depends on your culture. And that's different for everybody. Now, self-control specifically I think is difficult. It's a difficult one to grasp because, well, let's be honest, when you see someone who's lacking just basic self-control, you consider them, for the most part, an immature person. Whether it's immature emotionally or immature spiritually, we don't always say, well, they're lacking self-control because of the Holy Spirit's uh, lack in their life. We most of the time just deem it as a basic character flaw. And yet the Bible is clear that self-control, even self-control, is an outworking of the Holy Spirit and something that often can only be accomplished in great 
quantities because of who God is. And so I want to encourage those of you who feel out of control right now and who are, who are internally struggling to do their best to, to manage their worlds and yet still feel themselves slipping, whether it's with family or, or people at the supermarket that you're six feet apart from standing in line or some other situation. I want to encourage you that don't allow this topic of self-control to just be a character issue. Allow it also to be something spiritual. Allow it to be both and. I think it'll impact each of us in a, in a much more powerful way if we sit with this topic, uh, with that posture. Now, here's the thing. The Bible's clear that if you want to grow spiritually, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. It is God who, who, who drives us. It is God who develops us. You can't just decide one day I'm going to be more gentle or I'm going to be more loving or I'm just going to have more self-control. It's, it has to be a work of God. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is doing the things in your life. And it is your uh, position to accept those things or to fight those things. So my hope today is that you recognize that. My hope today is that you, you, uh, you give yourself a little bit of grace to kind of sit in the, the unknown of different areas you're fighting with God and different areas that you're accepting and that you ask him to reveal where you can give more and uh, where you can maybe rest more and where you can see his outworking much more evident within your life. Now, the thing that is so powerful about all of these fruits is that the, every single fruit of the Spirit, every single one, is an outworking of who God is, and therefore this whole concept of self-control can be looked at from this perspective of who God is and how he wants to uh, how he wants to invest in my life, how he wants to develop who I am, how he wants to change my marriage. And so this self-control definition I want to give you is an example of that specifically. Self-control or temperance, it's what it's called in the King James Version, is of course the ability to control oneself. It involves moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no to our baser desires and lusts. One of the proofs of God's working in our lives is the ability to control our own thoughts, our own words, and of course, our own actions. And it's, it's not that we are all naturally weak-willed, but it's that our fallen nature, that thing inside us that, that rejects God being in charge, that rejects God being in control, that thing is constantly at war with the spirit that is trying to drive us towards health and wholeness. Because our fallen nature is, of course, under the influence of sin. The Bible actually calls it specifically being a slave to sin. And I've never really liked this verbiage. I've always had a really hard time with it because I, I like to feel like, 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 I mean, I sin. I definitely mess up. But I, I, I don't know if I'm a slave to sin. That's how I, that's how I spent much of my, my spiritual life. But the further that I have... Uh, done my own emotional health work, the further that I have trusted God, the further that I have trusted his word, the further I have come to realize there are some things that I just continue to return to and some things that I do subconsciously that do remind me that I really am, without the power of the Holy Spirit, a slave to these things in my life. Romans 6.6 6 says this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing 
so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So whether I want to say I'm enslaved to sin or whether you believe you're a slave to sin, the Bible's pretty clear that Christ died, that he was crucified, and that our old lives, that, that part of our lives that certainly was a slave to sin, is no longer because of who Christ is. And that we always have to wrestle between the old self and the new self. That we have to recognize that this, this fruit of the Spirit is a fruit of the new self. That there is nothing but death and decay. That is, if you will, the fruit of the old self without God who brings life. Now, sin is a, is a funny thing to talk about with people, especially those of you watching who maybe aren't very well church. So let me just give you a description. Uh, I think a, a pretty clever description of, of sin and a way in which you can understand it and maybe allow it to, uh, to impact you. And that's this. Sin, the definition of sin, is filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. It's filling a legitimate need, something that is, is real, is valid, through illegitimate means. So I'll give you a, an illustration. Uh, obviously, I've been stuck at home with uh, three women, I, my wife and my two teenage daughters. And uh, there's not a ton to do, uh, just, just as many of you have let me know as well. And so uh, I decided, because uh, I grew up playing a lot of ping pong, that uh, I would get a ping pong table for my family and everyone was super excited and so we ordered this ping pong table. And then I started my research for ping pong paddles and I didn't know this, if there's any ping pong players out there, uh, ping pong paddles are a serious business. Uh, the, the kind of wood they're made from, the grips, the, the different, the different <laughs> I had no idea, but, but I, I made the mistake of ordering some cheap ping pong paddles from Walmart. And then the further I did my research, I was like, no, I have to get some decent ping pong paddles. Now, these aren't expensive, but they're, they're more expensive than the Walmart paddles you can get. And so I ordered a second set of, of appropriate uh, ping pong paddles for my family, and I canceled the Walmart ones. Well, Walmart sent me a, a notice that, that yes, the, the, the paddles were canceled and then sent me another notice just a few days later that said my paddles had arrived and then charged my card. Now, I'm trying to be an appropriate quarantiner. And so when I realized that once we called, you couldn't just get a return on the phone, you had to actually come in and discuss with customer service your ping pong paddle issue, uh, I was pretty frustrated. But I, you know, hey, I'm going to do what I need to do to... Uh, to uh, save that ping pong paddle money because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy, okay, out there. So I drove to Walmart with my wife and I went to customer service and I waited in line. If you've been to Walmart recently, especially if you've been to customer service, the lines are, are crazy. I waited in line at my local Walmart for about, uh, about 15 minutes. And when I got up to the, to, the, to the front, I told the lady my ping pong paddle issue. And she looked at me and said, well, why are you in customer service? You need to go over here and talk to these folks over here. This is, this is where you, you need to go pick up your paddles uh, through the online order center and then bring them back and return them. And I said, well, I already, here's, here's my, I, I already declined the, the paddles well before they were shipped. And she goes, that's not how it works. Once we charge your card, you have to go over there. So now I'm, now I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated about my ping paddle paddle problem. <laughs> And, and I go over to the, to the customer online pickup and I push the button. And it says in a big TV screen, Danny's next. Danny's next. And so I waited for a, a, the ping pong paddle person to come out and help me with my ping pong paddle problem. And nobody came. Forever. 
And so finally, I'm, I'm now more frustrated and my self-control began to slip a little bit and I found someone uh, in a Walmart outfit and I said, hey, um, how long am I supposed to wait over at the online pickup center? And she said, well, not very long. How long have you been waiting? And I said, and I quote, like 20, 25 minutes. And she goes, really? She gets on the phone, come to find out she was one of the managers. And she goes, uh, Walmart Associates, I have a gentleman here who said he's been waiting for his ping pong paddle person to come out for 20, 25 minutes. And no one's over there. And so, uh, guys, we need to do better at our times. And I said, oh, good. I got somebody. I got some control. So she went back there. She, had, she was about my mom's age, by the way. This is important for this next part of the story. She goes, uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get your ping pong paddles. You can take them out. And then you can go return them uh, because that is, that is the thing you have to do. And I said, okay, I'll wait. She goes back there about 30 seconds, late, 30 seconds later. She comes out and she opens the door and she says, Danny? And I said, yeah. And she had her hands on her hips and she had a timestamp on, on the ping pong paddles. And she goes, you've been waiting for these nine minutes. And I said, uh, it, it didn't feel like nine minutes. And she goes, you told me 20, 25 minutes. And I said, I, that, you know, listen, you're right. And it was just, she just, I was caught. I had a ping pong paddle problem and I was caught and I had nothing to do. And my wife started giggling at me, which only made this woman mom me more. And she's like, so, so you just think you can say whatever time you want. And off she went. And I had to sit there and basically receive a verbal spanking from this lady for, for overzealously sharing the amount of time I was waiting for my ping pong paddles to be returned. See, self-control is a funny thing. You think you have it. You think you're fairly disciplined. But then one little thing enters into your story. One little thing enters into your world. And all of a sudden, the legitimate need to return these paddles and get the money back, the legitimate need to not spend too much time outside my home, in the public, all these legitimate things ended up putting me in a place where I basically just made up whatever amount of time I want to drive home my point that all of this is ridiculous, which caused this lady to get her employees in trouble, which then caused her to get me in trouble. And so suddenly I find myself uh, with a chuckling wife all the way home. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the power of who God is, we are incapable of knowing and choosing how best to meet our own needs. And so we will, when push comes to shove, almost every time in the right situation and under the right circumstance, we will do and say whatever we need to to have our legitimate need met, even if the thing we're doing is illegitimate. And so therefore, that's why we return over and over to illegitimate ways of meeting legitimate needs. Now, in total contrast, when we are saved by Christ's sacrifice, the Bible says in the verse you just read that we are free. We are free because of the Holy Spirit's promptings from this sort of returning. When we are in check with the Holy Spirit, when we are connected to who God is, no matter the circumstance, no matter the difficulties, when we know that we know that we know we are doing and being and functioning as God wants us to, then in that place we can find incredible freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He has set us free for freedom's sake. 
He has set us free to be free, to feel free, to experience freedom. That is what Christ has come to do. And what he points out to us here again is that we have a decision in that freedom to submit or not submit to that old person, to that old self. We can choose to take off the yoke of slavery and so live in the freedom Christ brings us, but we can also choose in our freedom that Christ brings us to put on that yoke of slavery. We can also choose to respond with, with, our, with our only our, our uh, base emotions. We can respond with only our, our base instincts, our base desires, our base lusts, and we can decide to live our lives like everybody else who has lived their lives without God with us at the center of the world, deeming what is right and deeming what is good, and so therefore selfishly living my life, trying to be in control. As believers, we need to regularly exercise self-control because the outside world and internal forces are constantly attacking us in this way. They are constantly looking for submission of who we are. They are constantly trying to break down our families. They are constantly trying to break down our societies, break down our churches, break down our spiritual understandings. This this world is constantly at war with the equilibrium within us that the freedom of God has given to us. And these, these desires that we have when left unchecked cause us to live in a way that does not exhibit self-control that does not exhibit emotional health, that in the end leaves us feeling um, full of decay, full of emptiness. And I meet, I meet with a lot of people. This is a common thing. People who ask questions like, I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I do that. And oftentimes it's because they have, they have lost their self-control and they have bought into whatever the world is selling them. And so they are replying and responding without any checks in their spirit whatsoever to every problem they have, like I did in my ping pong situation. And so they find themselves constantly at odds with with authority, with people around them, with the world, with the way in which God has built our world to run. And so they find themselves constantly backpedaling and constantly trying to regain that control that they continue to give up because of the way that they've chosen to live. Romans 7, verse 21 through 25 says it this way. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members, okay, in my, in my hands, in my feet, in my heart, in my eyes, in my mouth, my members, the members of my body, another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive, making me in bondage, making me submitted to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks to be Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is a beautiful kind of full spectrum understanding of what we're talking about today. This, this, this concept that God recognizes that we are both and, that we are living in the freedom and in the freedom oftentimes choosing to live without self-control and to live in bondage and to submit ourselves to these things within our lives that 
that cause us harm. And so we constantly are doing this. And so finally, the thing it says to do is to proclaim that the self-control that we all want to have will never exist to the level it should. And so therefore ask for God to come. We submit to him, to the greater authority, to the, to the one who is the, the, the guide and creator of it all and ask for his help. And then through Christ Jesus, we get to live in the freedom that he provides. Then every single time that, that that old self rises up again, every single time that I am faced with a heart beating situation and I, I just want to go, I just want to respond, I just want to drive home my point, I can, through a check and through a, a listening of the Holy Spirit, I can pause and I can reflect and I can go a different direction. This is the man that I want to be. And yet this other man I know still lives within me. And so this is the war that I live within. This is the war that all of us live within. And for many of us, this is the war that's been raging within our homes over the last few months as we continue to feel like we lose more and more control. This is this difficult place that we find ourselves. And this is why we need to understand that it is so important to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us that we ask for this bondage to be broken, this submission to be released, that we ask instead to be, to be slaves to nothing, but instead be sons and daughters to the Lord Most High. As the Spirit gives us control, we can refuse sin. As the Spirit releases these pieces of our lives, we can refuse these darker paths this is a powerful thing to understand, but you have to do more than just to just accept it in your brain. You have to believe it and you have to put it into work. You have to confess it. You have to admit. I'm sure some of you are, uh, you, might, you might not be too impressed with Danny and his lack of self-discipline and self-control uh, with the Walmart story. But the truth is I've come to a place to realize quickly and it only took me about 10 seconds of looking at this woman's uh, face as she disciplined me there in the Walmart hallway uh, that, that it was my fault, that it was me, that I messed up. And the more that I can own that and the more that I can say that, then the more that I can recognize through the Holy Spirit that, that I am refusing sin, I am refusing that behavior, and I'm not allowing and accepting that to be part of my life. And so therefore, through the Holy Spirit, the more self-control I have. This is so important, especially as we value long-term good instead of the instant gratification of the world. For in this way, self-control is a gift that doesn't just free us, like, like it's not just freeing us uh, uh, in, this, in this big uh, cosmic way, it's actually freeing us in a real way. For self-control is the gift that frees us. It frees us to enjoy the benefits of a healthy body when we have self-control to not be addicted to food and to drugs and to things that cause us harm. Self-control gives us freedom to rest in the security of good stewardship and so therefore not be in debt, not be in bondage, not be always waiting for, for that next bill and trying to figure out how we're going to make the next deal happen because we have to pay this next situation that we, that we without self-control, put ourselves in. And self-control, of course, brings and offers us freedom from a guilty conscience, offers us freedom from shame, offers us freedom from, from not being able to look in the mirror and look at our face and know that we continue to lie, not just to the people we love, but to ourselves. These, 
These things is what self-control offers. Lives lived in freedom like this, ones that can actually experience this are a rare and beautiful thing to behold. They move with the direction and purpose unrestricted and untangled and they listen to the Holy Spirit and they listen to situations and they have what the Bible calls eyes to see and ears to hear. All of this fruit of the Spirit, all this stuff, and now I'm wrapping up the series, is supposed to give you this additional spiritual sense so that you can navigate this world, navigate your family, navigate crisis. Navigate things that are going on in your life differently than everyone else. You don't just have to see or touch or feel. There's something inside you that says, no, this isn't right for me. And it doesn't even have to be fully explained because you know the God who knows. And so you trust. And so self-control seeps into your life. And so gentleness seeps into your life. And so kindness sleeps and seeps into your life. All these kinds of things start transforming you from the inside out. And suddenly, everywhere you go, you are the hands and feet of the living Jesus. You are breathing and moving and walking where and like him. This is, this is the goal. This is the purpose. This is what it means to be the church church. This is what it means to be the family of God. And this is, what it, this is the opportunity that we've been given in this situation and in this world right now. These people that choose instead not to live their lives covered in self-control. These people, I think, are probably more clearly seen right now than maybe ever before, at least uh, in my direct lifetime. And that would, that would, all you have to do to understand that is to look back just a few months and see all of these people that lost their way and begin to selfishly, out of fear, hoard and gather and people who tried to, to make money off of the pandemic and tried to, tried to stock up on things only to sell it back out to other people who had great needs. These kinds of things, these kinds of things are examples of what it looks like to lose your self-control and what it looks like to live outside of the fruits of the Spirit, to live instead uh, really just exemplifying the fruits of human, humanity without God. And I know that as people saw this, many of us were, were uh, just blown away by it, that many of us were just impacted in a deep way. And I think that's as it should be, because I believe that as we look at this world and as things calm down, some people are going to have to look in the mirror and they're going to have that shame because they know what they did. Some people are going to have to look in the mirror because of the debt they went into because of the fear that they had. Some people are gonna to have to look in the mirror, and I'm not talking about people who lost jobs or people who are in difficult financial situations. I'm talking about people who out of fear went and did things they knew were wrong, but they did them anyways because of a legitimate need to feel secure that they met in an illegitimate way. This is the opportunity for the church to shine in this situation, to love and to give and to sacrifice. This is the opportunity for us to recognize that none of us really have control anyways. None of us really are, are, can add a single second to the lives that we're living right now anyways. And so what if we come out of this pandemic, pandemic different? What if instead we come out of it in a, in a way that, that is uh, gathered around who the Holy Spirit is and around God and have a different worldview and a different perspective? Because this is what I, what I think is so important and that's this, that spirit-sourced self-control restricts the indulgences of our foolish desires and so shows us 
how to find the liberty to love and live as we were meant to. My prayer for you is that you get to experience this, that you get to, to practice this, that you get to spend time with God and asking him about this specific area in your life. Because when you can accomplish this, it can provide a security in God who is for you, who loves you, who wants to provide for you, even in the midst of the confusion and the chaos, but a God who truly does care and a God who truly does reach and love the loss. Psalm 103 says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. My church family, I hope that this series has blessed your life. I hope it's challenged you. I hope it's started you in a process of transformation. I hope that you can sit with someone that you feel safe with, whether it's in an email or a phone call and confess some of these areas that are, that are strong for you. I hope that you can also be encouraged in areas in your life that, that you're making strides. I hope that you can learn and experience what it means to be a part of the church because we, the church, are the hope of the world. And Jesus Christ, he and his body given for us, that is what it means. That is what it's about. We get to live that out every day, bringing glory to him because of him. I love you, church family. I pray for you. God bless.